Now, I've got a few different things swirling around in my spirit um, in terms of a message. So I'm just going to try and pull them out um, and, and do justice to what I feel the Lord's put in my heart because we might veer off, we might just stay with um, what I feel. So let's, let's turn, start off by turning to 1 John chapter 2 and um, we'll read from verses 12, just a couple of verses. 1 John chapter 2 says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. So, uh, spilling up in here. This is about, what I want to speak about to start off with anyway, we may just continue in this, is mature sons and daughters. Okay? There are three stages of growth and maturity mentioned here. Children, young men and fathers, or you could say kids, adolescents and, and adults, okay? Um, children, of course, are young Christians, babes in Christ. And if, and if you all remember when we first got saved, we were all excited because our sins were forgiven. Amen? I remember that stage. I, it was just so wonderful. You know, heaven above is deeper blue, the grass is, you know, it was like walking in paradise. For, and I don't mean Celtic Park. Amen? Paradise, as in, you know, life is so wonderful. It was a whole new life. Um, and people are all excited because your sins are forgiven. And, and babes, that's what it is. You know, they, they love to give their testimony. And they're rejoicing in salvation, being part of God's family. Wasn't it good to know that you were part of God's family when you first got saved? Well, it's still good to know. But that was the big things to you. And it says here, little children, your sins are forgiven you. And then he says, little children, you've known the Father. Knowing God as Father, well, those days were wonderful. In some ways, I wish I could go back to them. Okay? Uh, but I wish I could go back to them knowing what I know now. Amen? Um, but it's just that simplistic thing. It's, it's simple. It's just knowing the Lord. Knowing that you're a sinner that's been saved and cleansed and so on. And knowing that you're loved by God is a big deal. Of course it is. And People feel the difference between living in sin and darkness uh, to now being cleansed and living in the kingdom, okay? Now, in a sense, we lose a wee bit of that as we, as we become older in the faith or more mature. It's not as fresh to us, okay? It's not as real to us sometimes because we get bogged down with stuff in life. Then, of course, there's the young men, the adolescents, and it tells you about them, it says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. Okay, and then he says further on, because he's writing to these three groups twice here in, in three verses. I've written unto you, young men, because you're strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you've overcome the wicked one. So, and I remember this phase of my Christian life well as well, where you suddenly found somebody taught you, you, can, you have power over the devil, you can rebuke the devil, you can cast out demons, you can, you can, you can attack. And I remember, as a young Christian, the devil coming into my room, one night, coming out of my body, the devil was claiming me and all that, and I remember running him off and how good it felt. 
Um, and because and, when I get when I was a young Christian, I got mentored by a guy who was heavy duty spiritual warfare intercessor, became uh, one of the top guys in intercessors for Britain for the whole UK. Uh, so, you know, I knew what it was like to engage in that stuff. And it wasn't always pretty and it wasn't always nice. And you, you, you get hammered, okay? And as a young Christian, it wasn't nice. But you learned how to run off the devil, okay? But you also learned how you became a target and you had a big bullseye in your back when the devil was attacking you because you were attacking him. I remember those battles back in the 80s um, in Intercessors for Britain. I remember those times. But the young men, the adults, so you're, you're growing up, you're getting stronger. And these are believers who have learned that they have authority over the devil and his demons. But he's talking here, the Apostle John, sandwiched between the children and adolescents are the fathers. Now, see, we look at things differently from the Lord. We have... Um, when we're born, we, be, we become babes, don't we? We're, we're newborn babes. Then we grow up in the infants, toddlers, all that. And then become adolescents, then become adults. But he doesn't have that order here. And there's a reason for it. Because Sam is between children and adolescents of the father. So he starts off with little kids, then fathers or adults, and then adolescents. And why is that? And that's what we're going to look at. Why does the Bible not list children, young men, and fathers chronologically? There's a reason. It's a powerful reason and a simple reason, which is that spiritual growth is not subject to time. Let me say that again. Spiritual growth is not subject to time. One of the most deeply spiritual books I've ever read is The Spiritual Man by Watchman Nee. Now, he wrote loads of stuff. I used to read his stuff, loved it. And Watchman Nee, and I always thought, I always believed that the spiritual man, which was his, to me, his greatest work, his deepest work, I always thought he wrote that at the end of his life or, you know, after many years. He wrote that and I think he was only a Christian for two years. And it's his, probably his deepest work. And it's mind-blowingly deep. You see, because Watchman Nee, as soon as he got saved, he was so hungry that he, if you like, grew, and I put, I'm putting grew in inverted commas, so fast. Because spiritual growth, folks, is not subject to time. It's subject to hunger and revelation. You can be a Christian for 40 years and not, not really be all that hungry, not really be all that bothered. You just trundle up to church. You've not really grown all that in all that time. Or you can be a Christian six weeks and be in fire for Jesus and already have grown so much. We see it with folks, don't we? So when you're born again, and this is the thing that people don't really realize because we're not taught this but it's true it's bible that you receive a perfect redemption and you are perfect in christ you don't get a 70 percent jesus or a 65 percent holy ghost you don't get that you get a per it's the perfect jesus comes to live in you and you are perfectly sinless in your spirit man and you're already per you're already at what the bible calls the telios point okay that's in the greek what it means, your end point, your end destination. And what it tells us in, in, in 1 John is that when he appears, you'll be like him. You'll be a mirror image of him. Not, oh, well, I, maybe after 40 years saved and going to Bible college and all that. 
listening to all these preachers and watching all these YouTube. No, right now, if you're saved right now, that's who you are. But you're not that in your mind. You're still just, you know, in your mind, you don't know anything, you've got a clue. You don't even know, you know, how many books are in the Bible. You know, for some folks, they just get saved. You know, they've just met Jesus. They don't even, Who's this Jesus? Oh, I have gas coming into my heart. Oh, wait a minute, hold on. So, folks, but, but in your spirit, man, you're already like him. It's just your soul, your mind has to catch up with him. So, spiritual growth happens as this perfection is revealed to you. As you grow, as you come to church, as you pray, as you meditate, as you watch uh, God TV, if provided it's a good program, <laughs> um, what's revealed to you about who you are causes you to grow spiritually. But you're not really growing spiritually. You're just growing in your, the revelation of who you are. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's like saying, well, you know, um, one day um, I went to a phone booth with my Clark Kent suit on and I came out and I found I was Superman all that time. Yeah. You're Superman. But you just didn't know it because you've lived the Clark Kent life. Yeah. You're already like Jesus, folks. If you're born again. It's a matter of manifestation. You see the end from the beginning. The more you see, let me say that again, you see the end from the beginning. So, you, have you ever had those moments when you're reading God's and all of a sudden it becomes real to you? That's revelation. Because you're seeing something that you already, it's already in there. It's just, you haven't seen it with your mind yet, but all of a sudden you do. Okay, so you see the end from the beginning. The more you see with the eyes of your inner man who you are in Christ and who he is in you, the more you grow, inverted commas, spiritually. You see, that's why if you're hungry, you'll spend your time in God's word and not in EastEnders. Because if you spend your time in EastEnders, you won't discover who you are. Now, I remember as a young Christian, I'm going to say this, and I don't know how the Lord did this, or why he did it, but I remember when I used, when I was a young Christian, and sometimes I'd have problems, and I always got the answer watching Kung Fu. Kwai Chan King. Because he would always help, you remember when, the, when he would be going through all these things, and the wee guy with the, the eyes would take him, a grasshopper, and, and he would tell him these pearls of wisdom, and sometimes they really, a lot of times they really spoke to me. Because it would be like, oh, what, I, yeah. But you know, I don't go to watch Kung Fu to hear from God today. That was okay when I was a babe in Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the Lord just happened to use that. Or sometimes it'd be the Waltons or, do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, how's the prairie? I'll just, I'll just greet at that, I'll just cry. <laughs> but, but, but you know, if you, you're not going to get it watching TV. You're not going to get it reading, you know, um, crime thrillers and all that. You have to spend time with God. And the more you spend time with him, the more you see what belongs to you, who you really are. And and the real you comes, because the real you is Jesus in you. Okay, it's not even you, it's Jesus. I I, um, am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, the life that I now live in the flesh. I live but the faith of the Son of God. So, the more you see who you are, the more you see with the eyes of your man, you see who you are in Christ and who he is in you. The more that you 
look as if people, oh, they've really come on something. They've really grown spiritually. Well, all that's really happened is that they've, they've spent time in his word, meditating, spent time speaking in tongues, prayer, whatever. Spent time reading good books, spent time listening to good sermons, whatever. Spent time discovering who you are. And that, that looks as if you've grown, but you've just, all that's happened is that who you really are inside is coming out more and more. That's, that's how it works. So it isn't that you become more perfect, folks. And that's the trap. Oh, well, to be a better Christian. Oh, well, you know, I, I want to be a better Christian. Right? That's the trap. Because then it becomes about, well, I need to pray more, I need to read my Bible more, I need to go to more meetings. And then it becomes about works again and religion again. And whether it's uh, Catholic religion or whether it's Protestant religion, it's just religion. Okay? So you don't become more perfect. It's just that more of the perfect Christ who is in you is revealed to you and comes out through you. Hallelujah. Now that's, that's, that's reality. But people call that spiritual growth, which is fine. So you're growing spiritually. No, you're not. You're actually just growing in your understanding of who you are okay. and in the manifestation of who you are. I don't have a 50% Jesus in me. I've got a perfect 100% Jesus. We all do if we're Christians. Amen? So the growth we measure is what we can see in this earthly realm as we're already perfect in Christ. It tells us that in 1 John 3 verse 2. You grow as this is revealed to you. Now why am I going on about this? Because it's so important. Spiritual maturity is not subject to time in the same way as natural maturity. You can become spiritually mature, quite frankly, in weeks. Whereas it takes years and, and you know, to become... You know, the, the, the older I get, and I celebrated a birthday recently, but the older I get, the more I realize that my definition of transitioning from boy to man gets older. You know, I, look, I don't regard people in their 20s as adults. Maybe that's unfair. But I know I wasn't an adult in my 20s. I don't even know that I was an adult in my 30s. No. And, 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 and I'm probably pushing it in my 40s, that's the truth. Yeah. Uh, not that I'm in my 40s, I'm saying to think the transition. Because as you get older, you realise that, you know, the younger you was, was immature. So spiritual maturity is not subject to time the same way as natural maturity. You can manifest maturity spiritually in a relatively short period of time here on earth by being hungry for revelation. Now, I'm going to show you something. The Lord revealed this to me. Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away by this because but, uh, this is probably where we'll veer off into a different area. Because um, we're talking about maturity. And so if we talk about maturity, we are talking about, if you turn to Revelation 12, I want to show you something. This was revealed to me because, you know how you, you hear this all the time? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the, the devil, he knows his time is short. Yeah. Okay? He knows his time is short. And you think, well, yeah, that's good, but that doesn't really help me because we're getting battered here, we're getting assailed here, we're getting vilified here, we're getting attacked here, the Babylonian system, you know, all the protocols uh, and all the wars and rumours of wars and next we're talking about food shortages or famine. Like, I'm looking at those four horsemen folks and I'm saying, I don't know if this is the four horsemen coming thundering down the, the track here or whether they're just trying to make that happen, but we've had plague. We've ha we're having war. 
And the next thing they're saying is famine. And then the fourth horseman's death. And you think, well, I'm, you know, <laughs> it's one thing looking at all the, the pictures of the four horsemen and, you know, all that stuff. But when they're actually turned up, when they're actually here, because it so, sure looks to me like they're here. And I've got to say this to you, and I'm not saying this to put fear and alarm in you, but, you know, and I've spoken about other prophet, to other prophets about this, I've spoken to a lot of people about this, and I can't shake it off that I believe nuclear war is coming. I can only pray that it doesn't come to Glasgow and to Scotland or to Britain, but folks, it's coming somewhere. If the trajectory, the trajectory, what is the word? Trajectory, the trajectory that they're on right now. I need to put my teeth in. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. Okay? So, why am I saying it? Let's look at Revelation chapter 12. And this is the woman and the dragon that appeared the great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Okay? Then we looked at the man-child. We've looked at this recently, but what I want to show you is this. Verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. No, no, sorry, verse 10. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven. Okay? Folks, we don't need to hear from the earth right now. I don't want to bring you a message from the earth, from my thinking, or books I've read, or out my intellect, or whatever. We need to hear from heaven. And it says, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. You know, when you're accused, it's, the, it's Satan that does it. The Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Okay? God is not going to condemn you. God is not going to accuse you. Now, if you've messed up, you'll be convicted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will say to you, you, know, you need to sort that out. You need to get that right. We'll be preaching a lot in this church in the morning, Sunday mornings, uh, and we're doing a great series, and I'm loving it, about the power of the blood, the precious blood. The blood cleanses us from all sin. And, and, we need, and that's what this passage, this verse here is about, uh, the, next, uh, the next verse. But folks, when you're accused, and the Greek word is categorium, and what it really means is categorized or labeled. It's, it's, it, the devil ain't going, going to accuse you righteously even if you have messed up god's not listening to the accusations of the devil amen and any, anybody that does accuse in this manner well we know who it is it's the accuser of the brethren but look what it says here this is what i wanted to show you and this is the wonderful thing i've, I've never seen this I, I, I understood what it says it says the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. See, see, when you're accused, it's day and it's relentless. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. See, the blood is what causes you to overcome. That's why we stay under the blood. But look what it says. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens. And who's going to rejoice when the devil's on the loose? But it says rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants, inhabitants of the earth, or the inhabitants of the earth, and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath. Look at this. Because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Now, 
I understand that. We all do. Oh, yes, the devil's got a short time. He knows that he's got to. He knows that he's, you know, he doesn't have long. And we think, but, but in our thinking, we think, well, what does that mean? Because this was written 2,000 years ago. So does it mean for us, well, we're obviously a lot closer, but does it mean there's still years, dozens of years, hundreds of years, thousands of years? Who knows? But that's not how we should look at it. Because this is what the Lord showed me. And, and it just it blew my mind. It still blew my mind. Time. God created time. It was Michael Lake actually could give credit to, uh, you know, um, to who, who it was that said this. Dr. Michael Lake. And he said, God created time as a means of limiting the devil's power. To say to the devil, doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter sometimes the victories that you get, it doesn't matter how much power you amass on earth. Time is your boundary, the end of time. There's coming a time when no matter, even if, it's not going to happen, but even if the devil controlled the whole earth, God would say, right, your time's up. Your time's up. That's it. There's no more. So time is a curb on the devil. Not because time, for us, time's not always great, is it? Because we get older, okay? Sometimes we get saggier, fatter, our hair falls out, whatever. Do you understand? Time's not always kind to us. Um, but, of course, uh, we, we can overcome the effects of time because the Bible says that our youth is renewed like the eagles. But what I'm trying to say to you is, even if time isn't always good for us, the devil is something scared when he looks at the clock. Because he says every second on that clock is closer to the time when my time's up. That's what it really means, because time, the dimension of time, I'm talking scientifically, you know, the space-time continuum, the Einstein theory, all of that, is that... And Michael Lake was speaking about that in terms of how he believes, as others do, that the speed of time is actually slowing down. It used to be a lot faster. The eh, speed of light, sorry. The speed of light, of course. And the speed of light is the, the boundary of the time, space-time dimension. When you go beyond the speed of light, you go beyond, you go into eternity, you go into the spirit realm, you go into the time, or the, sorry, the place where there is no time. So there's no aging where there's no time. You don't get older. You go into eternity. So if you were to go into eternity right now, um, you, you, you wouldn't age. Time, time would cease to be when you cross the light speed barrier. But, but that's like a, a, a scientific law. But the whole dimension of time, space-time, is limited. There is a starting point. So when the Lord was creating the heavens and the earth, and he created time, probably when he said, let there be light, light be, is what most folks think. He was creating the light-speed barrier. He was saying that there's going to be a start here, and there's going to be an end here. And in that, as we would call history, the timeline, all of that, but everything that we're involved with in the physical dimension is in that area. But if we were to die right now in our physical, our spirit man would go out of that time thing and go into eternity. 
And there's coming a time where God's going to end it all. So the, the, that end point of time is where Satan... So in other words, you could say to Satan, do your best because you only have, you've only got till we hit that boundary. Yeah. Once you hit that boundary, your days are finished. And, and looking at it like that, that well, let me, let, me, let me put it to you what I'm trying to say here. God has imprisoned Satan in time. Satan can go into the second heaven. He can get to the first heaven. He can wander around the earth. The Bible even says he can get into a man. He went into Judas. Amen. So he can roam around, but he's limited by time. Time is the boundary. The end of time, his numbers up, his time's up. So, see, we're created to be eternal beings. We're created, and, and we talk a lot, oh, you've got eternal life, you've got eternal life. And you think, yeah, that's great, that, that sounds good, that, you know, what does it really mean? But we don't understand what God is saying to us and why us having eternal life, the devil hates it, is because he doesn't have it. He doesn't have eternal life. He has limited time. Time is his boundary. Time is the curb on him. You know, once he, it's like having a chain. When you put a dog in a chain, uh, you know, a big snarling dog that's biting and wants to, uh, uh, barking wants to bite you. If you can get past the dog's chain limit, then the dog can't, bark, the dog can't bite you, can't harm you. So you can stand and do all that to the dog. And that dog could rip you apart, but it can't get to you because it's got a boundary. It's got a curb. It's, it's, it's chained. Satan is chained to time, to history. Why is that important? Because as we're looking at mature sons and daughters, what the Lord wants us to understand is, is that our maturity doesn't come from time. Now, of course, we are in time, our physical bodies are in time, we live in a space-time dimension, but there's a part of us that is not in that dimension. We were speaking about that the other night at Bible College. We are bi-local because the Bible says, yeah, we're here on earth. Um, and as long as you're here on earth, you need an earth suit to walk in, yeah, which is your body. If, you, if your body can no longer sustain you or something happens or you get blown up or whatever, your spirit man leaves its earth suit. You can't stay here. You can't stay here if you don't have an air suit to walk about in. So you need to look after it. Amen? Now, I had a big jam donut last night. And after it, I thought, I'm not looking after my earth suit. Amen? So less jam donuts and more whatever. But the point is, now, um, when, when we leave our body, we go to, our spirit man goes to. But there's a part of you right now that's already there. I shared this the other night at Bible College. And I just, this is my opinion. I've shared, I've probably shared it in here more than once. Maybe not to, to the remnant, but certainly to other groups. The Bible says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Mm -hmm. Now that's not a concept, that's a reality. So right now we're seated here in the church, we're enjoying the, the heating and the fellowship and we're chilled. But the point is, there's part of you right now seated up, up in heaven with Christ. Amen. Seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. So, the more you're conscious of that, the more you're walking that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? 
But if you're not, if you, if, you, if that's totally new to you, or you don't, you'll not be conscious of it. Now, how does that work scientifically? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know how. But uh, but what I said to the folks at the other night at Bible College was this: If you, wherever Christ is, you are, because you're in Christ. The Bible keeps telling us over and over: you're in Him, you're in Christ. All that phrase over and over: you're in Him, with Him. So wherever He is right now. You're with him, you're in him. Mm-hmm. And wherever you are, now, right now we're in Gangad, amen, the lovely uh, area of Gangad in the city of Glasgow. But you could jump in your car and drive down to London and then jump in a plane and go over to Los Angeles. But wherever you go on this earth, Jesus is in you and goes with you. And he goes, he's in you. So wherever you are, you can't escape him. And folks, he can't escape you. What I like about it tonight is he can't escape me. Doesn't matter where he goes. I'm in him. And I'm with him. That's why we're seated with him and in him in heavenly places. Because that's where he is. That's where his body is. Seated at the right hand of God. That's why the apostles kept saying it over and over. He's seated at the right hand. Because folks, if wherever he is, I am. Now you think about, again, we're getting all scientific here, all Einstein, but if the universe is expanding at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, am I right? That means that every second that goes by, the universe grows by 186, it's mind-boggling, 186,000 miles. And we know that he made the universe, so we know that at the very edge of the universe right now, and even as I've said this, that edge has gone way past. He's there. And it means that if he's there, so am I. Because I'm in him. Amen? I'm in him. I'm with him. The Bible says there's a mystical link. And quantum entanglement partly explains this. Okay? Is that, I'm not going to get into it. If you look up quantum entanglement, but what it means is, is that you can have, um, I think it's two, two parts of an atom. I'm sure it is. Subatomic particles no matter how much you separate them, okay, how wide or how far you go, there's, a quant- there's an entanglement between them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that, that, that one, if you do something to one over here, it responds even if it's thousands and millions of miles away because there's an entanglement at the, quant- the quantum level, the subatomic level. Okay? Uh, we can get all scientific about that, and that's a, that's a wonderful lecture, but I don't want to get into it. What I want to say to you is this. Wherever he is, I am. Whatever he's up to, I'm in him. Whatever he's saying, I'm there, I'm with him. And whatever I'm doing, he's in me. Now, we can live our lives as if he's not. We can sit and, you know, pick our nose, smoke, you know, do drugs, whatever it is, and ignore the fact that he's in us, but he won't leave us. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Why am I saying all this? It's because the perfect Christ is in us. The more we're aware of that, the more mature we are. And folks, if we're going to see what we just read about overcoming the devil and the fall of Babylon and all the different things, all revelation, seeing Babylon fall, seeing the devil defeated, seeing God's purpose come forth on the earth, Revelation 19, the, the, the king on the white horse and it ain't King Billy, it's King Jesus. Yeah, but if we want to see all the glorious things, see the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation 
of the Antichrist. It's not the revelation of the dark side. It's not the revelation of what the devil's up to. It's not the revelation of what demons are doing or witches are doing. It's the revelation of what Jesus is doing right now and has done for us. That's what's important. And only mature saints are going to walk in that. Only mature saints are going to understand that. Only mature saints are going to see old Babylon fall. Okay? So, um, in this passage that we've looked at in 1 John, we'll just close up with this. Fathers clearly represent leaders. They represent the mature. It ain't, it ain't a gender thing. You can have women who are fathers. And you can say fathers and mothers if you want, because the Bible, and, and we're looking at father and leaders. Nations need fathers. But they also need mothers. Because if you're going to take Scotland for Jesus, if you're going to reverse what Babylon's doing and see Babylon destroyed in Scotland, if you're going to see corrupt governments fall, if you're going to see the offices of state cleansed and godly people sitting in them, that includes the royal family. That includes number 10 Downing Street. That includes Butte House. That includes the Glasgow City Council and Hamilton District Council or whatever. All the different offices of state and government it's not that we're going to destroy them, it's that we want to redeem them. We want them cleansed and we want people like you sitting in there as leaders. Not the, the devil in his bunch. You're not going to do that by being immature. You're not going to do that by being a, a, a spiritual baby. You're not even going to do that by being a, a, a young man. See, all this thing about let's fight the devil. We'll discover we've got the devil on the run. We've got the devil on the run. Folks, decreeing is not fighting. If you join the army as a, as a private, or even a low, you know, you can join them as a commissioned officer or non-NCO or whatever. You join at that low level, you go into boot camp, because you know, you've got long hair and you're a hippie dude or whatever, but they knock all that out of you. Because they want you to be a good soldier. So you, you become a good soldier. And they give you your weapon. And they say, get in that trench and kill some enemy. And you get in there and you... You know, or get back into medieval times, you, you learn how to fight with the sword. And you become a warrior. And, you, and you're a good warrior. And you kill the enemy. And you're, you've got, you, you learn strategy. You learn all these things. There comes a point where they say to you, come out of the trenches. We need you in head office. We need you at headquarters. Because it's no longer, folks, about how good you can fight. It's no longer about you being a, a young man that can defeat the enemy. It's about being a, a father, being a leader. Yeah. See, the fathers are sitting. A lot of people you say, oh, aye, the generals, the field marshals, they're all, they're all back there. They're, they're not getting shelled. They're not, but and we think, aye, they're well at the, 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 the firing range. But that's not because they're cowards. It's because they're more valuable sitting at a table saying, right, if we do that and we send them there and we do it, because they've understood strategy. They see the big picture. Fathers see him, John says, that's from the beginning. They see the whole thing because they're mature. They look at it and go, you know, and they're more valuable. And what do they do? What do they do? There's a, there's a woman called Wanda Alger. 
Um, somebody put something up in the group about it the other day. And she wrote a great book. I've got it upstairs in the office. Moving from sword to scepter. And what she was saying was, we need to get out of that spiritual warfare, fighting the devil, you know, rebuking the devil phase, to being people who sit at Jesus' right hand and rule with a scepter. Moving from sword to scepter. Moving from fighting every devil and rebuking every demon and all that to saying, Lord, I'm going to decree. See, kings don't go out in the battlefield and fight. They sit on the throne and make decrees. And those decrees change nations. Those decrees move armies. Those decrees win wars. If they're righteous decrees and good decrees, okay, if they make bad decisions, if they make wrong decisions, if they make wrong decrees or foolish decrees, their armies will pay the price. But folks, if you see a lot of our stuff, I'll close with this, folks. A lot of our stuff dealing with things is shouting and bawling to the Lord. Oh, Lord, help us. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Lord, we beseech thee. Lord, we beseech thee. And we're shouting so God will hear us. Because here we are on earth trying to get God's attention in heaven, trying to get God's hand to move in heaven, trying to get God to do something to change what we see around us. But, you know, if you say to yourself, well, I'm not on the earth. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And he says, oh, you don't need to shout. I'm right next to you. You don't need to roar in my ear. Just lean over and whisper. Lord, deal with us. Lord, I just... And he, you know what you'll say? You'll say, you do the decree. You say what needs to be said. Because you're seated here next to me. And anything you say in the throne room is amplified on earth. So a whisper in the throne room becomes a tsunami of glory on the earth. That's how he does it, and that's how he's wanting us to do it. So, folks, all I'm saying to you, um, you know, we may pick this up. Um, This is all from my my, my book on Father and Leaders. So I just picked out some things. There's quite a lot still in these particular notes here we might get into all. But we're talking about being mature sons and daughters, which means we are no longer running around trying to make something happen. What we are is resting and see, we looked at this before, seated at rest, we're seated. You know, you don't have, when you're seated, when you're a king, you don't have to pay something down. You just sit down and say, right, okay, this is what has to be done. And that's not arrogance. He's put us in that place. He's positioned us Amen. at his right hand. He's seated us with him in heavenly places. Let's just read that scripture um, as we close the actual scripture, because I've referred to it a lot, but I want to actually just read it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Um, and we'll, I'm going to read it. I've, I've got a four-version translation here. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to read it in all four versions, just one verse, and we'll read it four times, and that'll be us. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, um, and it says here, verse 6. Uh, let me just get my... hath raised us up together, this is King James, and, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Raised us up and made us sit. Okay? The new King James says, very similar, raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay? So, and then it says, 
The New International Version says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And the New Living Translation, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. I like that. We're united with him. That means super glued together and become one, one spirit with him. So if Jesus is sitting up there at God's right hand, so are you and I. If Je- whatever Jesus is doing, we're with him. And here's the reverse of that, or the other side of that, of the coin. Whatever we're doing, he's with us. The Lord bless you, folks. Let's just have a quick